Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders, hosted by Cheryl Toth and Mike Sakopoulos, and produced by Green Branch Publishing. Hey, Tothy, I don't know about you, but as I talk with physicians and practice managers around the country, I keep hearing the same thing. They're having trouble finding and keeping good people on their teams. Yeah, I would say I'm hearing a lot of the same. And in some markets, it's tougher than others. You know, I, I mean, the folks I know in big cities and, well, especially in like tech hubs, New York City, the Bay Area, Austin, I mean, practices are competing with a lot of other businesses for talent, and it is hard to find the good folks and keep well, sure, sure it is. I mean, the labor market's really tight right now. There's low unemployment. Companies out there are offering perks, as, as, I've, as I've read about things like adult vacation. I hope that you can um, uh, illuminate me on, uh, on that one. <laughs> I will. Uh, at least I think I hope that. I'm, I'm a little concerned about a discussion of adult vacation time. <laughs> um, but, but other more uh, benign things like uh, bring your dog to work. My brother's dog, Lester, he makes a personal appearance a few days a week here at the, uh, the law firm. Good. Um, yeah. So these are the things that or people are using to lure away um, others from, you know, other, other jobs. The thought is always the grass is always greener, right? Well, yeah, it can be. And you're right about the luring because, um, in fact, just recently, a colleague of ours, we both know this person, told me that one of her company's key people was approached um, by LinkedIn directly uh, or through LinkedIn directly by another employer and this employee took the bait and interviewed. I mean, she wasn't actually looking, but she got approached and got an offer after interviewing and took the job and left. And so the offer was lucrative. And so that's, that's what's happening out there. Yeah, that's people moved on to, to LinkedIn searching and uh, kind of in search and destroy mode, right? Going out there, finding good people and uh-huh. um, trying to, uh, to pick it off. So yep. I guess LinkedIn can work in a multitude of ways. Yes, it can. So, you know, in this case, um, these folks searched on the job title and they were trolling for recruitment bait as they do. And, um, and the truth is that there are a lot of companies out there that have, that are sweetening the pot for practice employees who may not have yeah. the same, you know, we, Oh, you asked about the adult vacation time. <laughs> Let me just go back to that. So just, well, so I, I thought you were being there. diplomatic and just no. glossing over my <laughs> reference to something that could be uh, vaguely, uh, Pornographic, but please. Right. Nope, nope. It's it's all on the up and up, and it's all rated G here. Um, and Damn. that is, it's it's unlimited vacation time is another way of saying that, and sick time. More and more companies are going to this. It started in Silicon Valley and places like that, but uh, it's really turning out to work quite well. Um, in fact, so people my people don't just like extend their time off for nope. weeks on end. Nope, they don't. And in fact, uh, both my niece and nephew, my nephew is um, second lieutenant in the army. They, and the military gives folks that and he doesn't abuse it. And then my niece who just graduated from um, college this spring, she has a new job with Groupon, starts in a couple weeks and same thing. So this is something that, well, we're not going to talk about benefits in this show, but it's something to keep in mind that these non- salary benefits are what are being offered out there and and uh the sweeter pot is out there and and to circle back that's what we're talking today is about you know keeping how do you develop your people and how do you keep them and keep them for the long term so i think that's why it's more important than ever that um physicians and managers think about how they can keep their staff engaged and happy Mm. so they don't 
follow the LinkedIn breadcrumbs, right? Because <laughs> 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 um, it, it's the truth. This is the kind of labor market where people will easily walk out the door. And especially what happens is that you lose your young and mid-career employees, the ones that have the energy, the ones that are hungrier, if you will. And they're often your top talent because they're just in the earlier midpoint of their career and you should be grooming them, not, uh, you know, having them turn in their key. You're really kind of losing your future, aren't you? As they yeah. walk out the door. That's yeah. what I think. So, yeah. so really managers can't go on autopilot after they hire. They, training and development are essential and it has to be ongoing. Otherwise, uh, folks just don't know, they don't have the latest uh, information, not only from training like on updates related to coding or MIPS or compliance, but they also just don't know a good they don't know good maybe business practices or efficiencies or technologies because they've kind of been frozen in time and uh, not, mm. what do they say? Never let out of the practice office, you know, <laughs> they never get let out. <laughs> so. Well, well it's, a, it's a good thing that we're digging into this topic uh, today, Tothi. Our episode is about how to develop your team, how to develop the staff. It's, and of course, doing it without breaking the, uh, the bank, right? I know yeah. that physicians feel, uh, pinched on the revenue side and tend not to want to spend money on on training and and look i I get that um, but that 's really not a good long term strategy and if we take right. a minute, I think probably people would would agree it 's not it's um, it, it's short term not not long term um, so we 're going to be talking about these things and and you have a number of ideas about how to develop staff without it costing too much. I am looking forward to this discussion. Good, good, good. Excellent. But you know what? First, I've got word of the show. Okay. You, my friend. Let's hear it. I okay. love your word. I love your right. words of the show. Okay, here it comes. So the word for today is, and I admit this one um, is from a, a fun little book called The Superior Person's Book of Words. He's, he's the name of the book alone tells you it's going to be great, right? The Superior yeah. Person's Book of uh, Words. Okay, here's the word. Gongoozler. And that Ooh. is a person who stares for hours at anything out of the ordinary. Oh, my. Well, that's an interesting mental thought as I mm. pull that around in my brain. And, you know, let me just say that book, Superior Person's Book of Words, <laughs> I love it. You gave it to me as a gift, and I love that book. It's nice to know that you're still looking through it to find this word. And what a word it is, gongoozler. It, I mean, who has hours every day to stare at anything, let alone? A cat. That's it. Oh. <laughs> no person, right? I mean, that, that, that's it. And I'm glad that you enjoy that book. That is a gift that you cannot give to just uh, anybody, Tuffy. <laughs> I so, do love it. I do love it. All right. Um, I don't well, know. Totally, so Gongoozler, yes, yeah. I love it too. And I love the book. I'm glad we both enjoy these words so much. It was a good choice for today, Mike. So Tothi, we talked about the tight labor market, you, but you shared with me some data that really hit home about why this is important. Can you, can you do the numbers for us here? Let's do the numbers. So listen, this is an analysis of 234,000 exit interviews. Uh, I think it's global data, not just U.S. data, but it, it comes out every year from the Work Institute. And um, of 234,000 exit interviews, about 
why people leave their jobs. The number one reason is no opportunity to grow in their job or their career. That's why they leave. Interesting. So all this thought about, well, it's just all about the money or um, I can't get the hours that I want or so forth. Uh, that, that's not the number one, um, not the number one cause, right? No. And in fact, do you know what number that is? The money thing? You want to take no, a tell, tell, tell me what, what number's the money thing? Five. All the way down at five? Yep. Compensation and benefits, which in which it shows in the summary, pay is cited more often than benefits. But yeah, it's number five. So the first is career development. The second is work-life balance. Mm. The third is manager behavior. To all our listeners out there, you may be the reason, you may be the number of reasons, yeah. <laughs> reason people quit. Um, and the fourth is well-being like uh, personal or family health issues is what it says, but it's number five, that's money. So that really does burst a bubble that I think, I know I personally hear a lot of physicians say, oh, they, you know, we just can't pay him enough. Well, no, that's not, that is the fifth, fifth on the list. And that's been pretty consistent over time that it's not even in the top three. And isn't that isn't that interesting because I, I can tell you that uh, certain um, old school lawyers who, because they're old school, probably will not be listening to this uh, podcast, <laughs> but would tell you that there's essentially one metric, right? And that's just cash. Yeah. And it's, it's so wrong. So, wrong. so to totally wrong, right? Yep. There are a lot of different um, levers and uh, dials to work with. That's right. And why is this data critical, right? I think it's because turnover is expensive. We know this. I mean, the U.S. Bureau of Labor estimates that it's um, like 30% of a first year compensation or first year salary aye, aye. to fill. Yeah, that's every time. So think about that. Every time somebody quits, take 30% of that and say, all right, that's what you're spending on downtime and time to re recruit for the position, interview for ah, the position, train the people. Very expensive. Yeah, all, all those things roll together. So if you think of staff development as an investment in keeping employees or a hedge against turnover, you know, most practices really have a lot more budget, if you will, than they think they do. It's just a matter of rethinking where the real costs are and changing your mindset from the churn of filling vacant positions to creating an empowered group of well-trained, developed people who stay because they feel the practice cares about them, invests in their success, and that they feel engaged and mm. part of. Well, I imagine we could probably make a pretty good patient safety argument to retaining staff too, right? that high turnover uh, should, in our minds, not be associated with great patient safety. As people come and go and try to learn the jobs and things aren't consistent, uh, we could always have patient safety issues. So beyond well, the 30%, I think that there are any number of good reasons about why you want to retain staff. That's true. And I think maybe the patient safety a little more on the clinical side. On the yes. administrative side, the other the thing I really am seeing is, you know, you can't, if you are an unhappy employee or you are an untrained employee or you, would, you are a low, low, uh, motivate, no, low motivation, you are not giving good patient service. And when you think about where we're going with value-based care, risk contracts, online reviews, mm. you need to really think about this. Like if you, your folks aren't happy and they're disengaged, they're not going to be nice at the checkout. They're not going to ask for money the, in a way that <laughs> incites sure. people to actually pay it. Um, so there's, yeah, there's patient safety, there's service issues. All of this is to say, 
from the non-technical side of delivering care, there are a whole bunch of reasons why developing people and making sure they're trained and engaged is, is a positive. So, so we should probably okay. look at some well, ways to do that. Well, what, let's maybe dig in a little bit in one specific area that I hear people complaining that they're having turnover or difficulties with, and that's front desk and billing um, folks that help, help practices. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about, about training in, in, that, in that sense. Well, I think that training is important. Um, and, you know, there's, it, but it's one component of development. So mm -hmm. yes, training is important. Let, let me just take your question specifically, because I think there are a couple of key things when you hire somebody good to make them a great employee. The front desk and the billing often get shortchanged in terms of onboarding and training um, more than just the person sitting next to them saying, hey, this is how you register a patient. Hey, this is how we check in. Hey, here's how we answer the phone. Is, is that the onboarding? This is how we yeah. uh, answer the phone and you go to lunch at 1130? Yeah. That's about the extent of a lot of uh, the practices onboarding that I, I deal with. Yeah, and it's that, unfortunate that. because that, that tells you so little about how to truly do your job well. I mean, you know, I think of just some simple things like having an onboarding checklist where every, every new hire has to look at the practice website extensively, read all the physician CVs, uh, call and hear what competing practices say, how the experience is on the phone. Uh, look at online reviews, look at the social media properties, all these things. What's the brand culture there? Uh, there's, there's many things. Buddy system is another free oh, yeah. and easy way to do this. You know, many companies do this, very few practices do, but I, I think it's smart. You choose somebody on the staff <clears throat> to be a buddy to the new folks. And mm -hmm. they're, they, they kind of teach them the unwritten rules, right? Like, you know, that doctor, you know, this, that, and the other, and the manager is known for this. And here's how you really get a decision made around here. And, you know, if you're late, a few minutes late coming back from lunch, that might be okay. But, you know, if if this doctor is happens to be in clinic that day, you want to make sure you're on time. Oh, you know, just and we all know nuances. who that doctor yeah. is, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Need go no further, my friend. Right? Yes. Right? So Exactly. So um, I think that in the areas of front desk and billing, a combination of the onboarding as well as having a written plan for what's happening the first week, the second week, the third week, and letting people know that, hey, you're not expected to know everything in a month. I mean, we have some of the better practices I work with. I'm thinking of a big plastic surgery practice that we work with, and they have a superior training and orientation plan. And for their patient care coordinators, they don't let them sit with a patient on their own and talk through the fee quote for at least four weeks. There's wow. this big training plan. And then at each end of each week, they, the, person, the new person has a meeting with the manager and they have to make sure that they um, are that they know enough, you know, and that they can answer the questions and, you know, so sure. they're, they, they make sure it's thorough. So, but, I mean, all of this is well and good, but this is still primarily training and onboarding. We talked about that too, but mm -hmm. that is, that is really only one part of development. And that's the kind of things that, you know, specialty societies, AAPC, MGMA, CMS right. has webinars. 
you know, they, they have these training resources and they're good, right? But it's more than just... Um, so, so you're saying that the, these training resources are necessary, but not sufficient on their own. Is that, is that a fair summary? Okay. Yes, yes. And, and I think I agree is, with you on this. Yeah, and we all get those webinar emails and things, and they are good um, to sure. watch. They're helpful. But where I see practices fall short, where other industries don't, and healthcare just doesn't do this as well, is creating a coordinated plan to develop the person and based on their goals and where their training gaps are, where their knowledge gaps are, and how do we step them into a higher role is more than just a couple of um, okay. webinars. Okay. So, well, I, I, like, I like where you're going with this, Dothi, but you might have to go a little bit slower for me. Um, could we, we back up and talk about the distinction between training and development? Because I think that there is one, but I'm not sure I fully understand it. Yes, and I would say that um, training is typically focused on how to do the job. Technical skills, for example, you go to a coding course, you okay. do a MIPS training, you learn <laughs> how to collect money at the checkout. That's training. You know, you, know, you learn how to use the fax machine. Right. Um, and all of that's important. But for people to grow their skills and develop themselves, this is a combination of training, providing new projects, delegating higher level responsibilities, mentoring, coaching, setting goals for where you want the employee to go. So it's really creating, yeah, it's creating individual development plans. And that requires a little effort on the front end, but it yields so much because not everybody needs the same thing, right? It's highly Mm -hmm. personalized. So um, while training is focused on the aspects of the employee's role, like their patient collection specialist or their surgery coordinator. Sure. Development is personalized to the employee's needs and goals match with the practice needs and goals. So okay. it, might be, it might be a course to improve conflict resolution or listening skills or how to do project management better or improve their writing skills, not just the latest coding updates that every coder should have each year. That's a training. So does I that make you. a better okay. distinction? Yeah, this, this is really helpful. Okay, so, so I, I, I see where you're going. So it's developing the employees' attributes and skills that really support their overall success at the practice. Is that, is that a good way to say it? Exactly. And I suggest that managers create what I call a personal growth map with each person on the team, or if you're in a large organization and you have you know, 35 direct reports, that's not going to work. But in a large organization with each manager or supervisor who then is trained to do it for the people on their team. And these, these personal growth maps hmm. are a plan structured in a way to get employees to set their own goals and where they want to go. And then you work with them to um, achieve it. So, okay. Now, I, mark me down as, as, as cynical here, Tethy, and, and I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm wrong. But we do this, right? We, we get the, the, the personal growth map and, and where they want to end up on their, their map is in uh, someone else's practice at a much more lucrative position. Do I need to be worried about that, that we're developing people so that they walk out the door with a greater set of uh, skills and uh, desires? Well, I mean, there's always that risk. And I think there's that risk whether you develop people or not. Because the, reali- the mm. reality is, you know, an employee quitting is going to happen all the time. You know, it's going to happen. But organizations that invest in developing their people 
find that they do stay longer. They're more engaged in their job. They're, hmm. They have higher performance, better motivation. And remember that exit interview, interview data, you know, the number one reason people leave is because they're not feeling developed. So, ah, um, okay. You so, know, so as a, as an employer, maybe my bigger fear is not doing it. Right. Hey, that's a great way of doing it. And you know what else I like about that, Mike, is you flipped your mindset from a glass is half empty perspective mm -hmm. to a glass is half full. Okay. I'll try not to make that mistake again. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> boy, does that just cut across my uh, migraine the, uh, the wrong way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit more about this uh, personal growth map. Can you give me a little bit more specifics and can we delve into that? Yeah. And, and this, just so people know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. This is just a, maybe a couple pages, but it does need to be in writing. What you want to do is you want to get the employee to lead it. You are a facilitator as the manager or the physician for your manager. And so you just ask a series of questions. I'll give you just some, um, you know, you start by asking employees, what goals would you like to achieve? while you're here in our practice, what professional mm. goals? Where do you see yourself in the next few years here? Uh, which skills do you have that you don't feel are being optimized or utilized right now and you'd like them to be? Um, I always ask what are two or three existing skills that you have that you wanna have greater mastery of? And then what are the things that you would like to learn? Like what skills do you wanna learn? What knowledge do you need to have? You know, I was working with a, um, a manager recently in a, in a coaching, um, in coaching, and she really, she's in charge of all the financial stuff, but she said, you know, I really want to know, I want to be better at QuickBooks and I want to be better at Excel. And I want to know how to read the balance sheet. She's like, I know how to read the profit and loss statement, but you know, I really don't get the balance sheet, which truth be told, neither do I. Sure. <laughs> I I've never, I mean you know, it's, it's complicated. So these are the things people would put down. It's like figuring out where those gaps are. And, and then once you have that, you have them set three, or you have to say like, what are three things you'd like, three goals you'd like to achieve in the next year in terms of your uh -huh. growth? Okay. <laughs> and then get them to narrow it down to one, which is sometimes hard. Choose uh -huh. one. Why is it important to you? And then you pick the one and you do a more detailed plan. In other words, if, the detail, if the one is, I really want to be better at Excel. Okay, well, what does that mean? Do you need to watch tutorials online? Do you need one-on-one -on -one coaching? What specific things do you want to, do you want to know pivot tables? Do you want to just know how to set up formulas? You get more specific and then you put dates and times and you put uh, dollars to it because it might require a budget. Some sure. things might, right? But mm -hmm. you, you don't have to take all of these goals and everything can't, you can't be overwhelmed by the per personal growth map. Just narrow it down to that one thing, and that's where you get detailed. And then once you've achieved the one goal, you, you go to another one. But you at least have a 12-month map of these are three big things I like to do. Here are ways I think I'm underutilized. And, and oh, by the way, you get the employee to do the research to say, okay, here's what I found that I could do to learn. There's this book or there's this uh, – videos, there's, a, there's this online course, there's this workshop, you know, the specialty society is doing this or that. So you, you really engage them and people will be much more apt to follow their growth plan and achieve their goals if they had the 
the most significant part of creating the plan. If you just create a plan for your people, they're, you know, that's never good. No, I understand that. You're yeah. right. Involving them is going to make it far more successful. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, take a brief break and uh, we'll come back and talk about how to do these things without um, breaking the bank. Perfect. Okay, Tothi. So we were discussing the personal growth map and I got to say, I'm all in. This sounds really cool. But how do we begin that conversation? Well, I like to begin it by giving, telling the staff person what we're doing. And then I have a worksheet. In fact, I'll put the personal growth map uh, form, worksheet form in the show notes so people can download Great. it and have it. Because Super. then you get them to fill it out. You get the employee to sit down and think about it. And then you meet with them and, uh, and discuss the goals and the timeline and the budget and mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. important. I think one of the key questions, this is a coaching tip, is getting at the why for people. So when they say, I mean, the manager might be kind of surprised looking at what the goals are and and where they're right. And so then you might follow and say, so why is this important to you? And you really Mm -hmm. start getting good stuff out of the employee. So that's how it starts. All right. Now, okay, here comes the big, the big question, because you know, people are out there thinking this, Steffi. What, how do we do this without it being just wildly, horrifically expensive? (laughs) Good question. Uh, everyone's asking that in their heads, I'm sure. Uh, so as part of putting together the plan, and once you've decided on the goals and you're digging in and they've done, you know, then that second, after you sort of draft the plan, you're going to have the employee go out and do the research. Hey, what kinds of things can, uh, can I find that, that would be inexpensive or expensive, whatever it is. But mm-hmm. if, before you put together the final budget, you outline a number of things they can do. And I think a simple start is always self-study. I call it self-study and share. So much is out there that's free or low cost. Like, for example, there's the Journal of Medical Practice Management. There's the New York York Times Health section. There's Fast Company Magazine. There's Becker's. There's IDEO has an amazing blog. IDEO, you know, that design company. Medical Office Manager is an online. They have Insights, which is free blogs. Really practical stuff. And, of course, your specialty societies, AAOE for the orthopedic executives out there, Adam for dermatology, SHRM, the Human Resource Managers um, Trade Association. There are just all kinds of things that you could, you know, get on their e-newsletters or in some cases you may spend a little bit by a subscription. And maybe you create a clipping service even internally. I call it a clipping service. Yeah, right? Like the old-fashioned ones. Um, Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know that, you have one person assigned in their area of, of expertise or their role, they read stuff, and then they, they push out links to a couple of things that they find really helpful to teach their colleagues. And they shortcut the colleague from having to read the whole thing and just saying, these are the two takeaways for us in our practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's another, again, with this self-study there is a really innovative practice in California I work with, and I love that the VP of marketing told me that their management team, which is about, it's like four supervisors, a couple of executives, and then five physicians, they do a book club. And every month oh, yeah. they read a different book. And then they discuss it as a management team and talk about how it can, they can apply the principles. In the, and these are all business books, business and marketing books, not healthcare. 
not 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 healthcare. No, not healthcare. Like look outside and, of healthcare. Yeah, and not and, then, and not some not some work of of fiction either, right? No, not not, not, not like the Clive Cussler new book. Okay, I'm no, I'm with you. Like, Something that actually is relevant. Good. Yeah, Peter Drucker's The Effective Executive. I don't know why that just came oh, there up. you go. You know, I'm rereading okay. rereading right now the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra, which is a fantastic book for any leader. And I've read it a couple of times, but yeah, it's books like that. So then the management team says, how can we apply it? They talk about it. They're assigned to read it. Then the supervisors, they distill the key points and they, they deliver them in the monthly staff meeting to their teams. And they suggest, hey, you guys could read this book if you want, but they don't require that. So it's just, look, look how this is done, right? You, you have leadership choosing books reading them, assimilating it, figuring out how can we apply this, and then it gets distributed in small bites and chunks throughout the organization. So I think that that is a great way to develop your people um, and do it. I mean, there's virtually no cost in that, you know, especially if you put it on your Kindle. Um, TED Talks are another thing. You know, you can go and get a playlist Uh, on TED. I love TED Talks. Me too. You get a playlist on sleep and why it's important to, you know, working and doing Mm. your job. Leadership playlists, the 12 best leadership TED Talks. I mean, and then again, you report back what you learn. Podcasts like this one or like, what are your, some, what do you, what would you suggest for podcasts, Mike, if you were? Oh, just this one, just this one and a constant (laughs) loop. No, 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 no. Look, I, I, I I listen to all different types as, as I know we've, we've discussed this um, from the uh, Pushkin industry uh, folks uh, which Malcolm uh, Gladwell, they have a couple of different podcasts that, that come out that I think I really like. Um, Dr. Uh, Peter, Peter Atita, I believe is how he pronounces oh, yeah, his drive. name, The Drive. The drive I think yeah. that that's um, uh, for someone who doesn't have a full medical training is a little bit of a stretch for me, but I find it extraordinarily interesting and he does a nice job with it. So there are all kinds of, and then, you know, on to personal kind of interests, whether it's, it's um, uh, a books on their bookshelf podcast. I mean, they're all, all different kinds of other ones, birding podcasts that I listen to that. Um, but, but before I go any further and alienate the remaining listeners, I think we should, we should move, uh, <laughs> m- move on, move on here. But, um, beyond podcasts, there's some, there's some good, uh, lectures out there as well. Right. And I mean, that's kind of the, the Ted model. Um, but I'm a huge fan of, of the great courses. Uh, oh yes, be, yeah, and I, I don't know if you if you've listened to any of those or downloaded any of those uh, lectures, but um, a few of those professors really um, are are national uh, heroes. I think. Well, and you, it books. used to be only like books and stuff, and now you can get it kind of like an audio cast, right? And it's right modules. Yeah. Right, right, right. You can do an audio download and take it uh, take it with you, which is a lot uh, lot nicer. Yep. So all of these things, except the great courses does have a cost. It's not much, but um, all of these things are free. Podcasts are free. And I want to mention one more because I do think it's really great for our listeners. And that's Adam Grant's, um, is it called Work Life? Yep. He's excellent. Yeah. I listen to him as well. Oh, and, and Ted Radio Hour. So if you don't have as much time to watch a video of the TED Talks, TED radio hour or something. And, you know, managers can assign, they can even assign these in uh, lists of these things in a staff meeting, even the ones that don't directly impact uh, employees in their, prof- in their personal growth map. Um, it's just a great way for 
staff to start thinking in different directions and be mindful of how businesses and other industries are growing their people and growing their businesses. I, I just think it, it really strengthens your whole team. So I'm, I'm big on this stuff. And so, and so now let's talk about education and training, which is low cost. I mean, there's all kinds of costs, but you could start with your vendors, like additional software training, not just for sure. the EMR and the practice management system, but maybe your, um, your automated texting software or your recurring automated billing, or if you have patient financing, like through care credit or something, like maybe people need more, more knowledge about that. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we talked one time, you and I, about how you could uh, maybe access your accountant and maybe somebody needs to learn how to read a P&L a little better or you know, understand accounts that, receivable. I think that's a great, a great idea. It gets everybody uh, thinking in the, in the right terms and let's put the accountant uh, to use. Surely the cost would not be uh, very much and accountants would probably like to be asked uh, to provide some, uh, some education. Uh, my guess is, is that they're not called upon too often to um, come in and, and talk to a group of people. They would probably, once they get their uh, chin off the desk, uh, would be <laughs> thrilled to uh, have the opportunity and it would be, be good for all involved. So I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And maybe you make it a lunch and learn. You come, you go to their office and treat for lunch and then they just give a nice overview and go through reports and yeah, that could be good for everybody. So um Local networking groups, another free mm -hmm. and great way to get people's minds expanded in different directions, especially those younger, those junior people that you're grooming for supervisory roles. Like sure. here in Tucson, we have a whole bunch of um, things that I've gone to over the last couple of years. So start, I mean, I would say Rotary's fine, but you know that tends to be not as innovative, I guess, in terms of their programming and the way they operate these days. Mm -hmm. Startup incubator groups are really a place to go. A lot of cities have what they call green drinks on Wednesday or Thursday nights. And that's where all the startup people go, the entrepreneurs. But it's a lot more than just entrepreneurs, all different industries and people looking to learn more about small business in their, in their community. Um, then you've got the small business groups. Those are out there too. And of course, MGMA has low state chapters and your, I have one client who he said his, this state medical society has a group for managers and administrators and he loves it. He goes every month. So you just really have to see what's out there. there um, and, and they are out there, right? I mean, it may take a little bit of looking and, um, and digging around, but you're going to find some, some appropriate groups. And I think you're right. People will get a lot, a lot out of that. Yeah, and, and just to some, sometimes it. end up with a with a mentor out of it, right? Well, exactly. And and let me, I want to. That's a great segue because I want to talk about mentor mentors. And in addition to finding a mentor there at a group, it's just when we when we talk about developing staff. I mean, just the fact that you would say, "Hey, I'd love to have you join this group." You know, sometimes there's a nominal fee. We'll pay mm. the forty nine bucks a year. You get to go to these luncheons every quarter or whatever it is and meet other mm -hmm. folks in the community. It's good for the practice too, because you're sure. in a way you're marketing the practice. You're, you've got an ambassador out there in the community. Who knows when somebody in the, the group that you're networking with needs an orthopedic surgeon or an ENT or an internist, you know, I mean, right. I mean you are. So, so yeah, it's, it's good all around to develop people's skills for networking, listening, 
learning new things. Um, you mentioned mentoring. Yes. Also and, free in many cases, right? It's, mm. It doesn't have to be somebody in the practice, but mentoring is, is a key. Would you agree? Mentoring is a really a important abs- thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been lucky in my career. I've, I've sort of fallen into having, I can think of three off the top of my head, incredible mentors that, that you learn personal and professional things from these folks. And so it might be somebody over at the hospital. It might be, um, you know, who knows? Uh, it could be a, a, one of the doctor's spouses may have uh, maybe a business person that wants to take on some sort of mentorship. So there's, there's that. And I, I think as you look back over your, your career and um, you know, the older I get, the, the more of a vantage point I have, uh, the mentors have really made all the difference. And so I, I'm fully on, on board with, uh, with what you're, what you're saying, but let's, let's go back uh, to training that you budget for still important, right? Because yes. Workshops and online learning is, is important. Maybe yeah. We'll ab- talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll have some of this in the person, in the personal growth plan. So you need to have a budget for each staff person, or at least a budget, you know, for the whole practice. And it's gotta be more sure. than a thousand dollars a year for everybody. Okay. I mean, that's just crazy. And unfortunately that's often what I see is just a few thousand for the whole team and the manager. Um, okay. In fact, the manager should have, a development budget in his or her compensation package. I would, anytime we recruit for an administrator or manager, I, uh, that's an important part of it so that they know, look, I've got a budget of, you know, 2,500 or $3,000 a year. And of course, in, in that case, it would include travel and all those things. So, uh-huh. um, but if you're serious about pr- improving performance and reducing turnover and investing in training, you have to budget for it. So, um, for as, as far as the stuff you pay for, I would start with seeing what's out there with specialty societies, you know, like mm-hmm. American Academy, American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons um, does an incredibly good job having coding and reimbursement workshops and revenue cycle workshops for their yep. constituents. There's Adam and what is that? The Association of Dermatology Administrators and, managers. and managers. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're a great, a great organization. Um, I work, I work a little bit with them, write some columns for them and all. And I'm always impressed with the quality of people that show up at their, their meetings and how much they help one another. So, and, and, uh, you know, I, although Adam is tremendous, I am sure that it is not uh, unusual or unique in that regard. I'm sure there are plenty of other groups in different areas of medicine that are, are quite similar. Yeah, well, there's also, I'm thinking about like in cardiology, another specialty, mm-hmm. um, the company is called MedAxiom. That is a membership organization for cardiovascular services and cardiology practices. They've recently been acquired by the American College of Cardiology. So now the ACC has all of this uh, new programming, I think, that's that's, uh, available because MedAxiom and ACC are now the same. So that's a cardiology example. But the point is, look to your specialty society. A lot of them have an executive um, or a manager group like Adam uh, orthopedics has the AAOE for orthopedic executives. So, um, you know, you have that. The other things to look at would be like AAPC and AHIMA for online coding courses. The American right. Association for Physician Leadership has, um, you know, courses for, uh, in, in all kinds of areas from, from, 
compliance and law. Yeah, they've got great material, right? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. I also like the LinkedIn learning subscription. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's about 29 bucks a month and you can cancel at any time, but they have thousands of videos. They have 1200 videos. I I haven't, I haven't used that. Tell me quality uh, on that one in all honesty. Good. Yeah. Good stuff. I should I had spend 29 a, yeah, bucks on it then. Okay. I, yeah, Good. I really like it. Um, and they cover topics from communication and business skills and project management to leadership. And okay. they also have stuff on computer programming. But, you know, again, going back to developing the team, exposing the billing office to uh, better project management skills. You know, that's, uh, that's a skill that everybody needs. It's a transferable sure. skill regardless of your role. So mm-hmm. that's, that's helpful. Um, and then you can also, of course, find consultants and subject matter experts that'll do one-on-one training or, or that have workshops, you know, like. Um, or, or coaching, right? I mean, and for anyone that's interested in that, I refer them back to the, the episode where, where you and I talked about coaching and, mm-hmm. and how, how that works and how, how you provide that, because that I think is extraordinarily valuable uh, for folks. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it very is important. And very important for managers and, um, Conversation about coaching. Yeah, that's, that's the one we did where you and I talked about it. And along those lines, um, since we've covered most of the nuts and bolts ideas about low-cost training and development and the personal mm-hmm. growth map, let's wrap things up by just talking, but just saying that I feel practice leaders need to think like coaches with, their, with the personal growth plan. You know, kind sure. of take your manager hat off, managers being, you know, directing and disciplining Uh and looking at performance and say, okay, I'm going to coach my person to develop their skills and themselves personally. So first of all, the growth plan, if you're thinking like about it, like a coach, it's not a one and done. You don't just do it, deliver it. Here's your two pages, follow this. You Mm -hmm. have to follow up, right? You need to circle back. Um, So there's got to be some regular check-ins. I actually structure those in with the personal growth maps is once we finish it, we have a, let's see, I, we, and we set, we set an appointment actually in the calendar for this at 30 days, 90 days, six months, and 12 months. Oh, interesting. So kind of way stations along the way mm-hmm. on your map, right? Yeah, because you, things change. Maybe a course wasn't as good as you thought, or it made you realize you needed more prerequisites. And so you need those. So, hmm. you know, there's okay. that. Um, I think regular short feedback on how well the employee is achieving the things on the map, not constructive criticism, but more like a baseball coach, right? Sitting Uh, down and saying, you know, this is what I'm seeing and you've done really well here. And, you know, I can tell that you've picked up a couple of things along the way. What do you feel you've learned? Where do you feel you've grown? And what else are you needing from me right now? What what else do you need from me right now? Um, Interesting. That that kind Mm -hmm. of Oh, and and then much. I would say if you've handed off new projects or um, other big goals in, in these plans, you've got to circle back with guidance and support. Again, kind of like the baseball coach, you know, approach. Right. Show, it's more of a show and tell. It's not a cri- constructive criticism kind of a feedback exercise. And I think sometimes as managers, we can fall back into that. There was some great new research on brain science and feedback. Um, Harvard Business Review, mm-hmm. uh, last, epi- last issue, the cover was something like, we're doing feedback all wrong. And it's uh. 
all about how if you are looking to get people to learn and grow, constructive criticism doesn't work. What it does is it puts people from a brain science perspective into the fight or flight mode. The moment the criticism comes out, the better way is to rethink the way you say things and take something that someone did well and launch into how they can grow that instead of saying, hmm. here's where you need to improve. And you don't even say, here's where you need to improve. You, you switch the language and put it as if it more like in, from a first person perspective, you know, uh -huh. here's, how, here's how I would handle that. So you're not, nothing is at, it's kind of like, this is, isn't this how you're supposed to do it in a good relationship or a marriage? You never say, you did that, you're wrong. You say, this is how I heard it, right? You put it back on I. <laughs> yes, these are lessons I learned quite some time ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> excellent, uh, excellent ad advice here, Tothi. But what it, it seems to me, you started out by really making the case that this is important, right? It's 30% that we have to, to pay every time we, we lose someone. And that people, the reason we are losing people is that they just feel arrested or, or frozen at, at their at their level and so that we need to to develop and what i heard is you went through this because you you're really the expert on this and have tremendous background knowledge was that the practice has to be committed they've got to commit a certain amount of of dollars and time to this to achieve the development of of their staff is that is that a fair fair way to look at it Yes, although I would just reiterate, because this is how to do it on a shoestring budget, it doesn't have to cost that much. Even if you say, all right, we're having trouble meeting payroll or our AR is sky high right now, we can't, we can't afford a $5,000 training budget. Okay, let's just say, right? We can, we can still do a personal growth map with all kinds of free things that we talked about today and still achieve something. So- Yes, I think well, that, that, and that's that's a great point that it doesn't have to necessarily be all monetary, but I do think that the practice has to be be all in and, and be dedicated to these goals or or the development. Yes, and that, you're right; doesn't require always loads of cash, right? I mean, this is this is time, and by telling people and going back, I liked your idea of following up once once the map is put together and checking along the way. That tells people what's important to you is also important to us, and that we would like to see you achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. And and how do we how do we help? Again, doesn't have to be uh, throwing throwing money at people. Uh, sometimes the support and being behind your employee is really what it what it takes and not a huge financial commitment. This has been absolutely uh, fascinating and very, very helpful. It is a mind shift away from the traditional, we lose people because we just don't pay enough and that's our only, only metric. And I think that when we start thinking along the lines of where you've been for quite some time in, in your area of expertise, we really begin to open up all kinds of possibilities. So I thank you for sharing that with me and, and with our, our audience. Thanks, Tothi. Well, you are welcome. And let me just close on this positive note, which is that as those growth maps are achieved and the goals are hit, don't forget to say 
thank you and job well done because um, I think that's an important way to really show just exactly what you said, Mike, that we're, in, we're investing in you. We want to see you grow and we think, you're doing, we think you're doing a good job. People need to hear that. Hey, 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 Tessie. Yeah. Job well done. Well, Tothi, this was all very, very helpful. Talked about how this really gives people a whole new mindset and all different types of ways to keep those key employees happy in developing and with your, your practice. And um, it, was, it was great. Thanks, Thank you. Mike. You're yeah. well, you are welcome. And that's a wrap for this episode of Sound Practice. Thanks for listening. If you liked our show, please tell your colleagues. We'd love to have more listeners. And we'd really appreciate if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Yes, yes, please do that. Or if you'd like to give us feedback directly or make suggestions about the podcast, offer up words of the show, whatever you would like, please email us at feedback at soundpracticepodcast.com. And please join us for our next episode. Don't forget, we release one every other Wednesday. Bada bing, bada boom. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions about future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at Green Branch Publishing. For the best in practice management, journals, books, newsletters, and on-demand programming for physicians and practice executives, visit greenbranch.com. That man Robin, Red Book of Power.